Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I'm your host, Grayson Prolty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Dr. Peter Dow, Vice President of Engineering, Rio Automotive. A key to winning in the marketplace is engagement. Debuting on August 1st, SAE Connection Plus gives SAE members and volunteers a new platform to engage. Designed with you in mind to support the connections and information you need. Not a member or volunteer? Join us and put our tools and resources to work for you. Visit the link in the podcast show notes for more information. On today's episode, Peter and I discuss the future mobility and the role of modular platforms. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Welcome. Yeah, pleased to be here. I'm super excited to have you here because platforms are cool and platforms are the future. So I'm looking forward to diving into this conversation with you today. Good. Well, that's what we believe as well. That's uh, the base of what the re uh, offering is about. So yeah, let's talk about it. Awesome. As you, as you and I know, and, and all of our listeners know, the automotive market's changing. We're going through a shift towards electrification first approach. With the industry-wide approach, consumer acceptance of EVs growing, what role do you see replaying? I think re are trying to, to reinvent the way that you develop vehicles. I mean, the clue's in the name. There's two, there's two approaches, really, to, to putting together an EV vehicle. You, you know, you've got your adaptation of an existing vehicle. Um, you, take, you take the gas engine out, you take the petrol tank out, and you replace it with batteries and, and motors. And you've got, you've got a vehicle, and it's a, it's a route to market, but it's a compromised product. It's always going to be compromised by its legacy. The alternative is you do a ground-up development and you, you spend a very large you know, number of dollars to develop a platform which you then have got constraints on. You, you can only go to a certain size, you can only go to a certain weight category, but, you, but you're not compromised. What we do is we kind of give you that uh, perfect solution, is that we provide you with a platform with, uh, which starts with, with corners. You know, the re-corner is a, a drive-by-wire, steer-by-wire, brake-by-wire system. Um, you have four identical corners. You then have a platform that you can size to your liking, be it the wheelbase, be it the track, and you get the benefit of that. So we're, we're bringing to the market the ability to provide bespoke platforms for people with very low investment. And so I'm thinking like the Lego pieces. So you're the green Lego, and then I could build the Lego house or build what I want on top of that. Are there limitations to what a customer comes to you? I went through your site and you had the configure. I was like, oh, this is great. You can make it longer. You can make it shorter. Any things that you can't do on your platform? Well, there's, there's always physical constraints and there'll always be constraints on particular. You, we can go down to a certain track width with, um, with certain size of corners. There'll always be turning circle restrictions, etc. even with four-wheel drive systems. But in many ways, the, the world is open. We can, we can do what... Uh, Whatever you like with the vehicle, we can put the driver in any position. You know, because we're by wire, you're not constrained. So, if you think of all the kind of cool doodles you did when you were a kid, you know, you look at any 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 car you put together, we can provide those sort of things because we can put those wheels in uh, in wherever you want, and uh, we can uh, put your driver wherever you want. There's a great kids book. If if I built a car, and, and this kid put an ice cream parlor in there, he put us. A swimming pool he had a robot that made him hot dogs and hamburgers and he had the seat in the middle so if, if you had a customer could you put the seat in the middle essentially absolutely i mean as long as we as long as we met all of the other kind of performance criteria yeah that's that's what we're about we're about providing people with that option you know we will we'll give you the underpinnings we're you know powered by re is our kind of tagline 
we can provide you with the means to drive the vehicle, steer the vehicle, stop the vehicle, but you can put on top of that whatever you feel is uh, required for your business. Is the modular platform approach, do you feel that's your competitive advantage in the market? I think it is, and I think we've got a number of things that, that, that what we bring with that. You know, we provide um, a very low flat floor. So when you think of a, a, a platform, it is literally a skateboard. You know, we've only got the four wheels. Everything else is, is within the platform. So, yeah, the modular bit's there. The, the low floor is there. Um, the ability to scale is there. And then you bring it into that as well. The fact that we have a steer-by-wire system. You've got all of the, 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 the functionality and maneuverability of that vehicle. You know, a four-wheel steer vehicle will, will have a maneuverability much, much beyond a conventional two, two-wheel steer vehicle. So, it's, it's, yes, it's modular, but it's also got the, the benefits of the, the by-wire systems that we're put, implementing as well. Low floor, it, seems it would appeal to delivery services. Re has a partnership with EAVX, a subsidiary of JB Poindexter. For our listeners who might not be familiar with JB Poindexter, you see their vehicles all the time. They're most commonly known as the, the UPS brown trucks. Was that one of the things where JB Poindexter said, okay, you have a low floor, it's easy for drivers to get in and out and unload things? Was that one of the big differentiating factors? Uh, absolutely. The use case in those, uh, those walk-in vans is if you can reduce the number of steps that you are, you're taking, you can increase the efficiency of, of the driver. Um, you also have more volumetric efficiency because you can still go to the same height as a conventional vehicle, but you get more volume within the vehicle. And often these vehicles are now, the transportation is about volume. You know, you, 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 the, the parcels are there. We, we, you need as much volume in that vehicle as possible. So that is very much a factor that, uh, that, that they're looking for. That was built on the re P7 platform. What goes into building a modular platform? So let, let's start first of all with the corners. So the re corners are, I think as I said previously, they're a drive-by-wire, steer-by-wire, brake-by-wire system. So that is a fully self-contained corner that you can actually bolt on and bolt off the, the, the platform in less than an hour. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an item that can be removed within an hour. Um, within that within that corner, you have um, a drive unit. So that's your in the P7 case. That's a 100 kilowatt peak electric motor, 400 volt. We then have a, a steering actuator, so we can do up to 32 degrees of steer on on the corner with the, with the steering actuator, and it has a a, a brake actuator as well, um, which we're buying in from Brembo and working closely with Brembo to develop which gives you your braking system. That's all self-contained within the corner. You then take four of those and they're all identical. Um, you can then put those onto, um, onto the frame structure of your chassis. And then the size of the vehicle can be very much down to your requirements. So if you feel that you want a certain volume, a certain box on the back, a certain number of passengers in that vehicle. You can then size the wheelbase to, to match that. And within the wheelbase, then you can then look at what battery options are best for you. So you can then size the battery to match your application. And we then provide all of the, the high voltage battery, the high voltage electronics and the electrical system that goes with that. What, what is the, the master of all of that is, is the recenter, as we call it, which is our uh, central ECU that then controls all of those four corners, provides the interface to the steering controls and the, and the pedal controls from the, from the driver, or from an autonomous system. So if we take it to an autonomous application, we use the same kind of API, the same interface with the autonomous system 
that then kind of operates the vehicle. So that's fundamentally the, the building blocks that are putting together a modular platform. The size of the battery to match the application is very interesting. So let's say you have, let's just call it Acme Logistics comes to read and says, okay, our drivers drive 100 miles per day average on their routes. Then do you work with that customer Acme Logistics to size the battery based on that and say, okay, we know historical traffic patterns in climate weather to add extra capacity? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of my phrases here is that we are designing for the 99% journey. With, it, with EVs, if you can size the battery and you can look at the application, you can make them the most efficient. You know, you can look at actually only having the right size battery for the application, only having the, the, the right number of motors, because in some ways we could actually put a two-wheel drive system together. We don't have to have all four-wheel drive applications. When we go to the Pascal world, we're always designing for the 1% journey. You're always, you're always designing for the vacation or the long journey, which, which means you've got a product that is over-specified for what you want. Whereas in the commercial truck world, and in, particularly in the applications we're looking to kind of, um, kind of start the, the reproduct in, you're designing for that 99% journey. You're designing for the pure application of what that uh, customer wants. It's another way of saying you're designing for efficiency? We're designing for efficiency and we're designing for very much the duty cycle and use case that, that it's going to be used on. We mentioned the van with J.B. Poindexter, but are there restrictions for vehicle classes that Reese module platform can go? Can you eventually go into to heavy duty? Can you go down into smaller golf cart level, for example? Absolutely. So we, we, have, we have a family of corners which allow us to go, if you like, from a class one up to a class five track. At the moment, our P7 platform that we're putting together takes us up to the class five. We can go larger than that. We then start to have limitations on having uh, a four, four wheels, essentially, because it's actually then becomes tire limited. But um, in theory, we've got the ability to go bigger. Yeah, but then we need to consider things such as air brakes and, and a lot of the other things that come into the larger applications. So really, the P7 kind of class five is our upper limit at the moment that we're looking at uh, but we can go right down to um into kind of uh mobility last mile vehicles pods for transportation we've got a few examples of those on kind of the, their website you can see of the type of um application and those are very much aligned for like i said autonomous applications they allow people to put kind of a pods top hats as we call them on top of it that uh, really can suit the applications they want again and uh, and also they need to create all of their ad systems onto it you're based in the uk top hats that because you have the famed savile row there in london is that why you call it a top hat absolutely yeah you can have you can have lots of different color top hats whatever shape size top hats you like yeah so that's the that's the way we look at it so you go it's the bespoke okay so we, we it's the bespoke of automotive that's exactly. what we is. <laughs> That's what we are. Yeah, with the Savile Row. <laughs> when you 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 go for the ninety nine percent use case for battery, you, you so going back to the Savile Row analogy. You're always going to have the one customer that's going to go in there. I want ostrich, or I want this, and they're going to want to outdo it, or I want um, armored. I got a, years ago the the nice folks at Geeves and Hawks gave me a tour of the factory mm. and showed me some of the things that they they make uh, downstairs. Really amazing. So you always going to have the customer that's going to want to go the extra distance. Customer comes to you and says, okay, Peter, I want to go that extra distance. What's the maximum range of battery that you can give that customer today? What, what we're looking at at the moment is the, the first applications we're, we're taking up to kind of 200 kilowatt hour batteries in, in what we have. But again, this goes very much back to what are you looking to? If you want to retain the, the, the flat floor, the low step in height, then you will be limited, limited by 
the wheelbase and and the kind of height of the of the platform but we can always double stack batteries we can always triple stack batteries on top of that so if you then want to increase the floor height it's, it is very much down to the application where you can look at what people want. Laws of physics always come into it, but, but we, can, uh, we can work around what, what we can. To go in there, I like to buy a bespoke suit. Okay, here, here it is. You start putting all the pieces together. I like to buy a bespoke platform. Okay, here's all the pieces. So I really like that analogy. Re has integration centers in the UK in Austin, Texas. I'm really curious from a quality perspective, what's being done to ensure the consistent quality of the reproduct that UK, as we know, makes some of the world's finest products. Austin is emerging as a technology manufacturing hub. How do you can take that quality to ensure it across the, both sides of the pond? Yeah, let's let's talk this through. So this is this is um, something we're quite proud of. So we we're, we're developing our first integration center here in the UK, and that is alongside the the engineering team. So we have an engineering team that is working very closely actually with, with, with our Israeli colleagues. So we have a mix of, of skill base from Israel and, and the UK. And we've also got a few kind of European and US engineers involved as well. But bulk of the engineers are here in the UK. So as we as we first put our products down the line here in, in, uh, in the UK, we will prove out that assembly. And it is very much an assembly process. We're not manufacturing anything. We're, we're getting subsystems supplied in by our, from our supply base. And, and the, the, the integration or assembly center will put that together. Once that's proven and we have the quality that comes off the line here in the UK, we then copy and paste that into Austin, Texas. It's very much a copy and paste process. So we have the same machines, the same robots, the same program, the same quality checks that are done in Austin that will be done in, in Coventry. And then the third integration centre and the fourth integration centre will be very much a duplication of that. So we continue the quality that we set in that first application, that first integration centre here in the UK, and we duplicate that in each application after that. Is the copy and paste approach doable because of the company's robotic assembly lines? Yeah, very much so. So if, as I said, it's an assembly process, and within that assembly we have a, a number of stations that... Um, that put the corner and the platform together. And in the corner assembly, over two thirds of the operations will come from a robot. So the robot itself will be putting that together. We have autonomous guided vehicles that will bring, bring the components and the product to the, to the line and move it to the next station. And we keep the quality and the consistency by using the robots. And you do that in the, uh, in the areas where you want to ensure quality. So it's a, a robot is actually more repeatable than a human. And then we use humans when it's more dexterous tasks needed, like, you know, putting on a wiring harness or doing some kind of fine end of line tuning, that sort of thing. But uh, yes, the, ro the robotic line ensures we have that quality. From the quality perspective in all your engineering, what role does the company's culture of no-fault engineering play in this? I think it's, uh, it's really important to us and, and it's, it's something we, we keep working on every time we're trying to get better at is historically automotive has been an area where people have we've been evolving products products have evolved in in automotive over the years you know a, 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 a passenger car a commercial truck 
it's much, much, much better now in, 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 in 20, 2022 than it was in 1982. But it is still fundamentally with, a, with an engine, and four seats, um, a, a body. And so engineers have been very much involved in evolving a product. And then you then get into a, a situation where they've almost forgotten how to, I wouldn't say forgotten how to be real engineers, but they've forgot, forgotten about innovation. Um, and they've forgotten how to to challenge and ask questions because it's very much in don't ask questions, just do. We're trying to flip that around and actually make it so all of our engineers are empowered. All of our engineers are very much there to challenge what we're doing. We talk about breaking the rules, not the law. <laughs> we, want, <laughs> we, 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 we want people to come along and try and work out how do we do something better? How do we design something better? How do we deliver something better? And, and we challenge each other with that. And with that, you then make sure that you have this no faults culture. We want people to be to feel safe and have the ability to challenge everybody in the company. So there is a very quite flat hierarchy. You'll hear Daniel, our CEO, talking about this. We're very much a, a, a flat organisation. So everybody in that organisation can challenge anybody. So if they see something they don't like or they see something they don't agree with, they can challenge and they will not be punished or pulled out for it. It will be part of making our products better. When you challenge something, you've seen in, in other companies across multiple sectors, it enhances the safety of, the, of what the product they're building. Have you seen safety enhancements that have come out of that? Uh, absolutely. And th- that's so when, we, when we look at our cultural values, safety is number one. Okay, safety is what we are. I, I said before, break the rules, but not the law. And safety is is absolute paramount. So we always um, approach everything to make sure we're safe mechanically. We're following all of the functional safety uh, rules with all of our electronics and our software, and all of that ability to challenge means that you've got you've got lots of people kind of looking at the same problem. You're not just got one person passing their opinion and expecting everybody to follow it. Yeah, you've got you've got lots of people looking at it, and it does. It brings in lots of lots of good opinions, and and lots of things have been found that maybe wouldn't have been found. And then uh, that not only do you increase the safety, but you increase the innovation across the organization. An engineer might have come up with an idea to en- enhance a product or simplify the manufacturing. You never know. The one thing that's very clear today. Mobility startups are throwing the big traditional OEMs for a loop. They're out innovating, they're, they're out maneuvering, it's, it's only continuing. Do you see the startups continuing to outmaneuver the big OEMs? Because from a culture perspective, the big OEMs are very top heavy. They don't want to lose the pension. They don't want to lose it. They're very risk averse. And these startups will say, okay, we got nothing to lose. We're going to build a better, superior product. The startups are, are kind of really challenging. And you can see that that's, um, it, it's becoming more and more prevalent uh, in all sectors. Um, there's a couple of things. I think they're taking a lot of the technology firm approach to things in that uh, look at what what is the problem you are trying to solve. And the problem we are trying to so- solve is mobility. It is transportation of goods. It is transportation of people. And what do you need to do to do that? That's the way you kind of approach it as opposed to I have this product and I need to push it onto people. I need to sell it, or I need to now refine it slightly. I talked about the evolution of products previously. And when you start to solve a problem and look at what really is the, the root cause, the root requirement, 
you come up with some really good ideas. And I think that's what's challenging a lot of the conventional OEMs is that what they have got is, was a good idea 50, 60 years ago. But the, the world has changed. Our requirements have changed. Society has changed. And uh, the products we've got to produce to go to uh, a, you know, a, a zero emissions kind of world means that uh, we're going to have to do things differently. And the startups can react quickly. They can challenge each other. They can challenge the, the way you do things. I think, you know, the, we're, we're, we're constantly looking at ourselves in how do we deliver faster, quicker, but also to ensure we keep that safety and quality, as opposed to we're going to follow this handbook that you get given on day one and you follow that handbook for the rest of your 30 years. That's not the way we do it. It's a really great approach. You're looking at solving problems. Let's say a customer approaches you and says, "Hey, Peter, okay, I'm I'm purchase a purchase order in to buy thousands of your platforms. I want to design a vehicle to live on top of it." The first question you say to that customer, "What are you trying to solve? How can we help you?" And then do you work with the design process that way once the platform is chosen? What does that look like? We start off with you know a fairly comprehensive questionnaire to ask people, "What what are you actually looking for? What are you looking for in terms of?" size of vehicle, range of vehicle, classification, and often people will know 50% of that questionnaire. Yeah. And then you work with them to say, well, actually, how do we do this now? Do you want to do the design process or do you want us to get involved in it? You know, we've got some really strong industrial design, so we can we can do the styling of vehicles. We've got some stuff behind it from our perspective. Or we've got some really good partners that, that we work with um, that can do that. Or the customer can bring their own team in and say, this is how we want to style it. And then, as I said before, we've got a platform and it's there. It's got all of the propulsion elements. It's got all of the high voltage elements. And we've got some pretty standard interfaces then that go with the, the upper body. So once you've got those hard points, if you like to call them that, um, you can then start to define where you want your seats, where you want your driver, where you want your doors. Uh, and it, it becomes um, a collaborative process. We We talk about complete not compete so we're trying to bring people in that can complete the product that will work with us on on the design on with us on the 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 supply of the upper body we can we can bring in that ecosystem we can bring in as many people as people want i think the theme here is bespoke we're going back to it we can we can do what they like with it so the vehicles design the re-platforms chosen What's the next step for the customer? Do they do you manufacture the the whole vehicle then, or how does that process where the the whole vehicle becomes a reality? The way the way that we if you work is that we start we start with the recorners, and and we have our ability to manufacture those. That the site we have in the UK, we we can produce um, forty thousand units a year. We're starting that uh, that production will start in the middle of twenty twenty three. So, so middle of next year, we start to, to bring that volume online. So that's that's the starting point. You can then take those corners. They'll, they'll be the same in Austin, Texas. We can we can produce the corners. We then provide the, the platform. And like I said, that's the, the supply of the, the, the battery, uh, the high voltage systems, the cooling systems, and then the, the corners get connected onto that. And then you have your, your re-platform. We can then work with one of our partners and they, they, they then take the, the platform and can manufacture the top hat for the customer and, and do the integration. And then we, we together, we then sign that vehicle off. We can supply that platform or the corners. If so, if they, even if the, the customer wants to do the, the underbody, 
yeah, we're quite happy for them to do that as well. We can supply them with the corners. I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm a bit of a broken record on this, but you know it's really up to them as to how they want. We have an ecosystem with our partners that allows them to. We can provide the whole vehicle. We can provide the platform. We can provide the corners. How do you want it? You can even decide what color you want it. <laughs> so, there yeah. you go. It goes back to the Savile <laughs> Row bespoke analogy. Yeah. Is that the main benefit for a customer choosing a re-platform as compared to partnering with a contract manufacturer to design and build the whole vehicle? Yeah, I think um, you can. We they they can go to a contract manufacturer, but again, they're they're. I mentioned earlier, people are going with a, a questionnaire will give you 50% of the answers. And a lot of the time, they're only giving 50% of the answers because they're used to having so many limitations on what they get given. So if you go and you buy a, a platform off of you know one of the big OEMs, you will get what you're given. Yeah, it's what you'll be given. And because they're making that for X thousand other people. And then you can then have to put limitations and restrictions on what you do with the, your kind of upper body you put on with that. We want to take that away. We want to make sure that people have the products they want. We also, we're not looking to have a re-vehicle. We are looking to power people to have their own vehicle. So it's a white good. They can put their own badge on it. Yeah, we, we're, not, uh, we're not looking to have our badges on the front of these vehicles. It's very much that. So, um, so you can go to... You can go to a contract manufacturer. You, you're going to have to put a lot more time in yourself. You're going to have to put a lot more effort into the design. You're going to have to put a lot more money into uh, the tooling and everything that goes into producing that platform. Whereas with, with us, you can you can buy the components and assemble it yourself. It's more efficient, especially if you're going to operate, say, a smaller bespoke fleet. If you're going to operate a larger fleet, it comes down to efficiency. And then if you're going to have three vehicles like this, a thousand like this, you still have that same modular platform. If we look back, we talked about the, 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 the fact that the, the passenger car, the commercial truck has evolved over the last 100 years. If we look back 100 years, there was lots and lots of different vehicle manufacturers. You know, there was hundreds of different uh, manufacturers, particularly here in the UK. And over the years, that's become condensed and more efficient. And, and we've reduced the number of, of, uh, of vehicle OEMs. And actually, I think we're going the other way now. I think we're going to the point where everybody... Will, will will have requirements for their vehicles and will have, will end up with lots of different brands on the market and those brands won't necessarily be automotive brands they will be brands that may be associated with leisure goods or software platforms or anything with that and that modular platform that we provide allows people that aren't from an automotive background to to, to actually start to provide vehicles bingo 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 I've said this for a long time. I, my wife calls me a broken record on it, but I'm not a broken record. I still say it. Brands will define the future of mobility. And if you look at, I was uh, read the financial statements for Chanel. They about um, 50% just paid a $2.5 billion dividend. They're expanding into experiences. Look at uh, um, Louis Tomawa Hennessy, led by Mr. Arnaud. They're expanding into experiences. They own the, the Belmont. They, they own the Cheval Blanc brands. And so Mr. Arnaud, or one of our friends, approaches you, says, okay, Ree, we own these 15 properties. We need vehicles to go here, but we want Louis Vuitton and Artiliers to design the interior to run on an electric vehicle. That's the future of mobility, and that's what you're enabling. Exactly, exactly. And, and we don't want to... We don't want to go in with constrained ideas. I think what um, 
we talked about a few times on, on, on this discussion is that you, you need to you need to come into an open mind about this that we are having those doodles as a kid we are saying what do you want your product to look like yes there will be some limitations because there's always package limitations and there's always kind of physics limitations but within within the realms of the possible you can you can take and, and put your stamp on it as a brand you can put your stamp on that vehicle and not have to worry about the propulsion the brakes the steering making it safe and reliable we can provide that and the most important thing for those brands the brand can control the experience yes that's the defining factor peter putting this conversation into context what is the future of modular platforms we have on one hand the bespoke brands and on the other hand we have the logistics but how do you kind of see that whole future coming together we've got the here and now where we've got platforms where we are still we are still the driver we are still the master of the vehicle and um i think w w the modular platforms we have at the moment are allowing uh, allowing customers to develop products that um that can give them more volume can give them more kind of uh flexibility within that as we talked about before with the vehicle but i think as we go into the autonomous world and and our products are right for that i mean our, our corners are all kind of autonomous ready that modular platform then opens up a world of opportunities a world of opportunities we're doing some really quite innovative work with um with hino in japan looking at what type of upper bodies can you use for example the, the the base platform can be a propulsion unit for a number of different top hats in the same day so that platform could be delivering the children in the morning to school it could then change the upper body it then becomes a uh, a garbage truck for two or three hours it then drops it off it then picks up a mobile library and takes it and drops it off in a community center it then comes back and it's then a bus again and it collects the children from school all in an autonomous application. And that means then that, that the modular platform allows almost to, we're kind of doing ourselves out of business here, almost to reduce the number of vehicles that you need because the platform itself can then be multi-purpose for, uh, for uh, whatever the community, whatever the customers need. How do you change the top hat? You can have the, the body, if you like, in an autonomous thing, the platform itself. Just, just jack it up slightly, drive it away. And we've got quick connections and then just drop one on. As long as you've got the interface and the connection points the same, whatever is on top of it uh, can be very different. You're reducing carbon emissions. It's fascinating. Because you've got one propulsion unit that maybe has got five or six different applications. We're going back to we're going back to kids again. It's a bit of a thunderbird, you know. We can actually yeah, uh, we can change what's on top of it. We're all we're all kids at our heart, and it's it, it's when you when you think like a kid and you, and you doodle and you draw and you let your imagination run wild and you go play on a playground like wow, and then it just inspires you. You never know. I got to give you a lot of credit. What you're building at Re, I think, is absolutely awesome, and I can't wait to see the Re products in the field to a variety of your customers. And as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, Peter. What would you like our listeners to take away with them today? Open your mind is kind of the comment I was going to make. I think, you know, we, we do live in this technology world now and vehicles do not need to look like they do look. Okay. We talked earlier about kind of delivery trucks and everybody can recognize what a delivery truck looks like. But does it need to look like that? Does it actually? 
and you know the, there's there's a world of opportunities and just imagine how cool some of the things could be that they're out there so we're trying to put the the lego blocks the building blocks whatever you want to think of it that that allows um our customers to come along and put products on the road that are zero emission and are bespoke for their requirements so that we um maybe put a bit of fun back into uh, the automotive world you're gonna put fun back because great engineers and designers are gonna let their imaginations run wild and i can't wait to see what they create on the re-platform because today is tomorrow tomorrow is today and the future is module platforms peter thank you so much for coming on sae tomorrow today that's great it's been a great conversation thank you very much thank you for listening to sae tomorrow today if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more please kindly rate review and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we learn how Archer Aviation is working to build an EVTOL company that will move people throughout congested cities quickly, safely, and sustainably. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.